Welcome to Dear Alice, a lifestyle approach to interior design. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dear Alice. Today, we've got a fun one, Sue. Oh, I'm so excited. This is one of our very favorite people, partners in business. I feel like anytime we get the opportunity to call him to help on a project, we 100% do. Yes, we squeal with joy. We do. It's so fun. Because what's we love an interior, we love an exterior. Mm -hmm. Um, He is all things exterior and beautiful landscape architecture. Yes, we're going to take it outside today. Yep. And we feel like it's that time of year where we can finally start to play in our yards and start to bring them back to life and enjoy them. So with that, let's welcome Jeremy Fillmore. Jeremy from Northland Design Group here in Utah, but works all over the United States with us on projects and and otherwise. Thank you. Welcome. We're excited to have you. We had Jeremy on like three years ago, right? Yep. Three years. So re-listen to that one too, because we'll be talking about some new stuff. But yes, um, this idea kind of came about because we were all like, "Mm, it's almost Mother's Day or it's like, it's May. Approaching. So we feel like we can start to like plant the pots on our porch and we can start cleaning the beds. Yeah. And getting ready. But we're also at the same time feeling like I want to make sure we do it the right way. Or what do the experts know? Things kind of come and go and change and trend. And Jeremy's really creative and always has great ideas. So we want to get him on here to help us talk about how to bring our yards back from from a long winter, at least here in Utah. <laughs> so, awesome. Yes. When is it going to end, Jeremy? <laughs> oh, this is an extra <laughs> long one, right? I this know. has been a tough one. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully soon. I think we all just have cabin yeah. fever. So whenever it is like a sunny Saturday, we're like, quick, get the snips. Yeah. Let's start pruning something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get, yeah. get out there. Yes. Can you take us through, we're sitting toward of middle to end of May right now. What should we be doing right now with our yard? What can we do? Because I feel like there's a sweet spot coming up called June. And we want to be able to be in our yards and entertaining and enjoying the great outdoors. I know for me, I'm like opening up my sunroof and my car every day. And I just want to feel the vitamin D and you want to throw parties and, you know, have reasons to gather in. It's just such a beautiful climate. So how do we make our yards more fabulous this time of year? When you kind of asked that question and kind of started the conversation, I think the word that came to my mind was inventory Mm. was, gosh, do we just kind of open the shutters and let the light in and crack the windows and let the fresh air in? And we start to, we start to say, Hey, let's, let's start looking at outdoors. Let's start, let's inventory what happened over the winter. You know, what was it, you know, um, and every place is different anywhere, everywhere you go. If you have snow, that's kind of rough on the ground sometimes yeah. on your grass and, you know, and in the planter beds or just depends on the climate and where you live. But I think taking that inventory and sitting down and as an individual, as a family, as a couple, whatever, and just say, what do we want to do? What, what needs to happen? Is it just dusting off and you have a tarp over the chairs and you just go to go out and shake it off and fold that up and put it away and you're ready to go? Mm-hmm. Or is it all stored away in the back storage unit and you've got to go dig it out and... I don't know. Did you have pots last fall that you loved that you put away that you want to refresh now and get them going again? So I think, and then maybe your life situations even changed. Maybe this summer is a summer you want to just live outside. Mm-hmm. Something happened last year that it just was, just didn't let you do what you wanted to, but you're going to live this summer outside. Mm-hmm. So that, what does that mean to you? Does that just mean lounging? And hanging out, mm-hmm. or does that mean you know what we're going to we're going to put on a pickleball court? We're going to be active. We're going to we're going to either do something big, or how, how has our life kind of adjusted to where 
we, we just want to live outdoors. So I think that's kind of sitting down and just putting together some thoughts, being thoughtful first. And because yeah. uh, we can real quickly just say, well, let's just go out kids and weed the beds and get them ready to go. And that might be you. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I think it's a matter of kind of reevaluating. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I like that too. That feels good. Or maybe you even have like a life event. I know a few of my neighbors have like a wedding and they're going to be doing it in the yard. Right. And so you kind of see them constantly, constantly in their yard, just fine tuning every little last bit to make sure the lighting is right at nighttime when the reception's going to be, or that the pathway is beautiful, you know, from, from the sidewalk on up to where the reception is, or I don't know. There's like a lot of different ways to use the yard for me. Like right now I'm feeling like I need to get my porch right. And so I need to get my pots planted and I, I feel a little bit nervous about it. Sometimes I, I just get them professionally made and put them down. But other times I'm like, I own all the pots. I just don't know what to do. (laughs) I heard somebody saying, um, on our team was saying I get manure and I stir it in and I air out my dirt and then she starts planting. Do you, do you have a favorite mix in for the soil or how do you get the dirt ready for the pots on the front porch? So again, Everything I think depends on what you're going to put back in the pot is how you okay. depend on what type of dirt you're going to be putting into them. Yeah. The amendments, what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of manure is, is fine because it's organic, but it's also what they call hot. Oh. I mean, it's, it's strong. It can be, if it's not mixed it sure correctly, yeah. it, it could burn any plant you put in. So we're going to have to think yeah. about it and be careful. So there's some really fantastic potting blends and soils you can just buy in bags that are really nice. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. it depends on... You know, if you're going to be doing uh, succulents in a pot, for example, and you want to do beautiful succulents in there, they're really water wise. They don't take a lot of water. So that's a good idea. Sometimes your your soil can be a little bit more sandy textured mixed. Okay. But if you want, you're putting a hydrangea in that pot Uh this summer and you want to just let it grow or whatever, you're going to want well-drained, really organic soil. Mm -hmm. So I think it just depends again on that inventory. It's that check and go, what am I going to put in here? What's the right step for doing it? Mm -hmm. And, um, and everything with pots, of course, you have to plan for drainage Mm -hmm. and irrigation. Yeah. And sometimes it's a mess and people just say, I don't want to do pots. And as soon as we have a conversation that, oh, well, what if we could take care of the mess and the drainage? They're like, oh, well, of course I'd want pots then. Yeah. <laughs> so then you're like, well, then let's talk about how we could make that work and, and control the drainage. And, and there's different techniques we could, you know, that we try to use there. But um, I think that's kind of the beginning of that is what's the purpose of the pot? Is it going to be in the sun? It's going to be in the shade and um, how you would propose the soil in it depends on the plant. Got it. Yeah. I like that. Is there something that's in fashion right now? I know it sounds funny, but I do feel like things trend, like they go in or they go out and like, seems like grandma loved petunias, but now petunias are really ugly or do you know what I mean? Everyone's doing herbs, you know? Right. Yeah. Is there something trending in pots? I have a covered porch. Um, so I have like on my biggest pots, I have a large, like a tree coming out of it and a shrub type tree. Do you know what I mean? Like it's evergreen. I forget what it's called. I had a U once yeah. in the middle, but then I would have flowers and then other times I bought it and it's just all different types of varieties of flowers. But I'm curious from the expert, is there something that's like kind of on trend for pots? Sure. So we're seeing right now a lot of, because of low maintenance is what a lot of people are looking for. They want to be able to just leave it and not deadhead it and take care of it. Yeah. I mentioned earlier the idea of using- I love su- that. I know, right? <laughs> what don't we all? Uh-huh. The idea of using succulents, Yeah. you know, and succulents could be like, sedums. It could be different types of, you know, even 
not necessarily cactus, but the like uh, the pearl earrings or anything, or what are those called? String of pearls, like mm-hmm. you have those kind of. Oh, like I do love those. those. Yeah. So you think about this, and they are they're semi evergreen. Some of them are evergreen, so they would last even through a winter and look great. Um, you can get something that grows taller, you know, kind of broad and spilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one thing that we're really loving. Um, about some of the pots that we worked on on our project together here with Alice Lane was it's around a pool environment, but they didn't want the petals falling off and deadheading and the maintenance of that. So all of a sudden these succulents, they just, they just kind of keep to themselves, but they just kind of look amazing. And there's a lot of texture, Uh a lot of fun texture to that. And they could be full sun or shape. Mm -hmm. A lot of variety and color. Ones that are more Mm -hmm. dark green, light green. Yeah, that's right. So that works good. But Mm -hmm. you also mentioned, I mean, we can use, we'll use our pots for our annual color. Many properties just want to have a very simple shrub and uh, plant palette. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's just green and white that is is lovely to you. Mm -hmm. And your color though, we usually get our pots in the right locations, the right sizes for that's where we get our annual color. Because mm-hmm. you can, it's ephemeral. You can change it out. Mm-hmm. And, and as you need to over the, even over the year, you can add to it. But from year to year, it could be just an exciting thing to look forward to and say, I saw this beautiful flowing, you know, purple or pink petunia. Let's mm-hmm. do that again this year. So anyway, that's, that's something you can start with. And as pots as well, you can do early uh, cold season first. You can do cabbages in them. Ornamental oh, cabbages. I love cabbages. It's really a fun texture again. When you say cold season, what does that mean? So what time of year? Can, so this time of year, before the like I, fear of frost is over, you could put in an ornamental cabbage or like as early as April. As early as April, this, you know, even no would work. So right? you could do pots, pots now. twice in the season. So you do the cold hardy ones now, and then you could hey. switch those out to your midsummer as you go. Yeah. I love that. Fun. So anyhow, I'm, cool. I'm actually not the pot plant expert in the office. That's, you know, we have a guy that just loves that, but it really is finding <laughs> what you love yeah. and, and your local nurseries are a huge resource. They can even contract grow them for you in the winter. So they're full growing and ready and you just move it out mm. on your porch when you're done in the spring and it's done. Easy Gorgeous. I love that. Potentially even do that. Yeah. Okay. Great. I love that. So that's the front porch. Let's move to the beds. Is that a good place to go now? Mm-hmm. What should we do? It's May. Right. What do we do with our beds? So if your bed, it depends on what the bed is. Uh Uh, If it has been um, buried under snow all winter long, um, you're going to have potentially there's oftentimes you run into mold problems because the snow's been on so long and the wood mulch Mm -hmm. is there and it's just you just need to go again and investigate and kind of see what's going on. Sometimes it just needs a refresh. You'll many people will bring in a nice new top dressing of, of soil or I hesitate to say bark because we don't, we're not fans of using a big shredded bark mulch, even though it holds together well. Um, and it does retain moisture. We, we prefer more of a, more of a soil pep. It's kind of just a darker soil pep. You can just kind of top dress. Mm. It just cleans it up, makes it look tidy. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love that. Do you refresh that every year? Depends on how much is going on, right? Ooh. If it's if it looks like to you it needs to be refreshed, it's a personal preference, right? Yeah. Um, again, we also it depends on how much dirt you want to have showing. Mm-hmm. You can do ground covers that just cover your planter bed, so you really don't have a lot of soil showing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a fun technique to keep your ground cover your the ground covered with either living plants or with a mulch of some sort. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And soil pep is a mulch. It is thing, anything, right? anything that's a mulch is covering up. Dirt, dirt, right? basically. And so I've seen people use really fine, crushed, small lava rock, and it looks like dirt. 
but it's just crushed lava rock. And you look at it from a distance, just dark, beautiful looking, uh-huh. but not the big chunky pieces of lava rock. You yeah, know? totally. So I, it, it's, it's just, there's so much personal preference involved here. Yeah. The principle of mulch is it's weed control. It also is water wise. It keeps your soil from drying out. Mm. So those principles are what you're applying and you use the aesthetic that works best for you. Got it. So yeah. Love yeah. Okay. And then you have all of your shrub beds, flowers and things as well. So mm-hmm. if you have, you know, we've talked about this before. Um, we've talked about whether I want to plant my garden in just some of my planter beds, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't have a dedicated garden area, but I want to do some onions in there. I want to do some, maybe I want to do pumpkins in one area because I can. Those are some areas that you could be thinking about. Do I have space to do mm-hmm. that if I don't have a dedicated garden? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I have dirt. I have yeah. irrigation. Totally. I've got the space. That's another way that we could multi use, I guess, our, our landscape beds. Yeah. Potentially. I love that. Corey, you haven't, you had an experience with that. Ask, go ahead and ask your question. Remind me. Did I say yesterday? <laughs> it was something about tomatoes overgrowing your flower oh, experience. Yes. So I, <laughs> That's right. my wife and I are figuring this out. We're very new to this, but we planted a two tomato plants. A, I think we planted them too close together. And then B, we planted one like next to some flowers. They're Coreopsis and they took the, the tomato plant literally just took over those Coreopsis. And then, I mean, I think they're still alive. Like I, we'll when we inventory. Yeah, them, yeah, right? exactly. I, I kind of did this last week and I was like, well, those might come back, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, like, is there like a rule of thumb for like you should, it should be, you know, X feet away from, you know, other flowers shrubs or flowers or, or so whatever. The that. tomato plant you chose was a big tomato plant. It sounds like, you it's, know, yeah. and it depends on the variety and the size. And so I hate to sound kind of like, Oh, well, mm-hmm. I mean the tag, when you buy it, it'll tell you how much space you need to provide for it, Okay, you know, and, um, just, yeah, that's your space planning. You know, if you have a perennial like Coreopsis or a perennial shrub, that's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. The, the tomato plants an annual that's, you kind of maybe need to dedicate another space. Maybe you need to remove a shrub this year. Yeah. Maybe you just need to make some more space because you love the tomatoes and they're close and accessible and that's Mm -hmm. the spot. Mm -hmm. But maybe there's another spot that just has more room in it. And so again, it's, it's, it does just before beginning plan carefully is kind of the quote, you know, that I think is, has helped us a lot through the years and it's just look at that plan for it um as you're going into that season because they do they get big they get overwhelmed i mean pumpkins for example they're just going to take over your whole yard yeah but just so fun with the i know right you've got a great yard for that i should do that i was reading this thing um from a girl martha stewart last night and she said one of the biggest mistakes people make especially like with the vegetable garden is they start too big you know, like start with a smaller plot, you know, and you have a lot yeah. less room to fail and then you can kind of perfect these things, right? These young growers yeah. we're talking about. Or put a tomato like, in a pot. Or put that's a, a great idea. And just set it over here and say, that is my tomato plant. And that's yeah. my pot for it. This year we want to actually do three plants because we used them. We made sauce out of the tomatoes. Awesome. Like, and we used it all winter until so I think we ran out in January. So now yeah. That's what you are. Is, should we plant tomatoes like should we put them in a different spot? Like as far as soil and nutrients go, you, no, you can, you can, there, there may be a horticulturist listening that says, Oh yes, always do this. Mm-hmm. But I, our experience in, I guess we don't plant people's tomatoes for them, but as long as we get the old tomatoes out, we mix that soil, we change it up. And that's kind of getting your soil prepped from last year to this year yep. is, is getting it tilled in, getting it aerated. It's been sitting stagnant for all winter long, just packed down, mm-hmm. tilling that up, aerating it. We need air and oxygen and light and water, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for our plants to thrive. And that sometimes our soil gets too compacted. So it's getting the old out, aerating it and, uh, um, 
Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's great. Did you know that 35% of adults report experiencing poor sleep quality? Let me put you onto something that is going to transform your sleep. Cozy Earth Bedding is temperature regulating people. This is huge. If you and your spouse do not sleep at the same temperature, which most people don't, I'm freezing, my husband's hot. This is a massive benefit and breakthrough for us when we started sleeping on Cozy Earth. You can both sleep on the same mattress with the same sheets and be completely comfortable. They also have a 100-night sleep trial guarantee and a 10-year warranty, which I don't know of anybody that does this. They're that confident in the product, and so am I. When I first touched Cozy Earth products, I could not believe the soft hand on it. It also almost has like a cool feel to your hand. To your um, hand, it's like slippery dolphin. Like your feet swishing around is so so addictive. I can't sleep with anything but cozy earth sheets. I'm obsessed. Um, also, you need to treat yourself to the ultimate comfort with cozy earth. I love the sleepwear. I love the sweats, and the bedding is amazing. You can prioritize your self care your sleep health, if you just head over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code DEARALICE for an exclusive 35% off. You guys, we don't have to wait for a sale. You can use this anytime. Again, the code is DEARALICE for an exclusive 35% off. Better sleep awaits you with Cozy Earth. Great advice. I love that. Okay, should we move into, um, I have a west-facing backyard. And I feel like I need to create shade for things to grow. Pots on my porch, um, us to be able to enjoy the backyard. We need lots of good shade. Do you have favorite shade trees or favorite shade tricks so that we can better use our yards and stay out there longer, not just to sunset at night? That's the only way I've been able to to use my yard is to go out at nighttime. (laughs) You know what we need to solve your challenge in your backyard, particularly we need palm trees. Oh, yes. So That'd we be need lovely. palm trees, but you know, Utah doesn't yeah. work. So, yeah. so whoever's listening is like, oh, well, great. Cause yours is up on a second story. Yeah. It's like, how do we get up high? Could we create something? They're not considered a shade tree. I get it. Mm-hmm. But the idea of depends on your circumstance, where you need shade, what is it? Mm-hmm. Um, Trees. I have a lot of favorite shade trees for our climate in the Rocky Mountain area here, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and those are usually because they grow a little bit faster, but they're still a hardwood. You oh, know, like yeah. ash trees. There are some good ash trees. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's some, we have to watch those with boars, of course, I understand. Um, and the oaks are beautiful. They're going to get to good size. They're beautiful. And they hold their leaves a little bit longer in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, some people love that. Some people don't. And so they're considered kind of semi-evergreen. But um, the the shading options, so definitely the trees, um, we can get down to structures for creating shade. Yes. We can work on... Um, you know, f- fabrics like canopies yep. for shade and those, each of those typically take a structure of some sort to support that. So mm-hmm. whether you have a structure to support it or whether you don't, if that's something you want to build, fantastic. Um, they work great. Um, there is, you know, I think if we have our living space and couches and chairs and everything in a space that is working and it's just, it hasn't worked in the past and it's just baking us, Again, this part part of that inventory comes back into, do we need to reorganize how we live outside? Yeah. And maybe that's just, sometimes when we're doing a design, we turn the design around 180 and we look at it and go, 
well, we didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. We didn't think about maybe reconsidering how we're organized outside and maybe yeah. let's just rethink that for a, a minute. You know, your deck is where it is. Yeah. You're not changing your deck. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so the idea of getting something up and over your head, um, in your case, probably be more of a structure standpoint mm-hmm. uh, or an idea. Um, and also I think it is... Um, we have to remember how the sun works is the further our trees are away from our space, the less effective our shade's going to be. So sometimes if you look at it, we've consulted on multiple projects where we said, well, let's bring a tree in and put it right next to your patio. They're like, oh, well, I, I didn't know that I, I couldn't think about that. Yeah. We, we have planter beds out along the edges of our lawn that are 50 feet away and that's yeah. where our trees go. Well, we can bring a tree and put it in a lawn area and cut the sod mm-hmm. out around it, you know, or not, and just have a big shade tree. Now we have it and it doesn't have to then be a ginormous tree that takes 10 years to grow. Yeah. It could be a smaller tree that I bring in in day one mm-hmm. and I could plant two or even three of them. And all of a sudden I do have shade yeah. just because of the proximity of where they are to the space I'm sitting in. Totally. Do you have a favorite variety for something like that? Oh, again, I guess it depends on how big There's, of a tree you're looking for. Yeah. The, um, depends on the size of your yard. The trees and, and the size that. of your yard. So again, you know, and, and, and we can also use, you think about, does it need to be a shade tree to, with a huge canopy? Right. We can use columnar plant material. It will also block the sun Interesting. if it's closer to you. So right? it can just go straight up and down. Go straight up and down. Let's say you take a columnar beach. A columnar yeah. beach is a wonderful tree. It only gets to be maybe eight foot in diameter, but it'll get to be 30 feet tall. Mm-hmm. So you now have an eight foot wide piece of shade. Yeah. And maybe you put three of those together mm-hmm. and maybe there is four feet of space between them. Yeah. So it, cre- it creates a rhythm. Beautiful. And eventually they'll grow together, but maybe that's okay. Mm-hmm. A fence. Yeah. yeah. And you can buy Leading a columnar trees come taller when you buy them typically just that's what the nature, how they grow. Yeah. Um, and uh, so if you don't have, again, if you don't have the space allowed for that, let's say you're in an apartment or you're in a condo or you know something like that, that mm-hmm. or it's a condo you own and the property line's right there man, maybe some columnar trees would all of a sudden pick that west setting sun up Gorgeous. really quickly Love that. and also look really fantastic mm-hmm. and not eat up Can your I horizontal space of your patio. Yeah. So, and yours, you know, in the back, if you had something that was 20 feet tall, yeah. it would solve some of your problem. Right. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Really great. Love do you, that. Do you have a favorite uh, for like something that grows quickly? So you could like, hey, in three years from now, you're going to be, you know what I mean, producing some shade off this bad boy. You know yep. what I mean? Right. So that, that'll that get you into questions of your tolerance of kind of long-term versus short-term. If you're, are you are you for the long haul? Mm-hmm. So our softer wooded trees grow faster and they end up being a little bit more junky because of that. Like poplar tree. Like a poplar. Yeah. You can yep. plant a poplar in five years, you'll have this 30 foot tree, mm-hmm. right? And so you just have to understand what you're in, what you're getting into, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. that's the thing. Or the like others. my linden tree. Okay. Like it's massive. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it was planted in 71, oh, which yeah. isn't like historic. I mean, I guess that's 50 years ago. I mean, trees I don't are know awesome. if they all have 50 I heard, years. I know, but, but. I, I heard that like you can have, it's full grown within about 10 years. Sure. Absolutely. 10, which like is pretty big. Mm-hmm. You know, trees or, are like people. They yeah. grow quicker when they're younger. Yeah. And they get to their mature size and they just kind of settle in, yeah. you know. Mine settles. Right? It yeah. has. It's stunning, yeah. you know. So, But it does have a lot of fallout. Like I have does. four drop seasons. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it's Whoa, just one. four drop seasons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm raking a lot. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, honeybees love it. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. In your yeah. setting, Most it really fun. works great too. It's great. And yeah. it drops a lot of stuff. So clean trees, you know, that don't drop mm-hmm. a lot. People like maples. They're cleaner. Mm-hmm. The big leaf's easy yeah. to clean up. Mm-hmm. Honey locust is another tree, but it's a smaller leaf <sighs> and it's a little harder to clean up, you know, and mm-hmm. they're both bigger trees. But I had like five of those in my okay. old yard and I yeah. was like, I could, 
it was like all season long. I could yeah. never get rid of it. Sure the oh, There's just a lot gosh. there. So, yeah. so your maintenance tolerance has a lot to do with that. Okay. Your maintenance tolerance. <laughs> do or, any or, of lack, or lack of it. Yes. Do any of us have a tolerance for maintenance? <laughs> um, yeah, right. I think that's probably, is that the question? Like, you, like, what can I get? That's just not, I'm not going to require a lot of maintenance. That's probably like the, what's going to last? What's going to be timeless? No. That's right. You know? What do I yeah. not have to touch? And, yeah, that's and, right. Like, yeah. You've got some great silk trees that you could purchase. <laughs> They would hold up great. Yes. Disneyland has mastered this. They've got some of those. Now that's maintenance tolerance. I like that so much. That's great. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I think Jeremy is so great at is creating, if you're doing a new landscape, we're fortunate enough to work with him on these, but it's like creating these environments and this kind of journey. And, you know, right now, like Jess said, we're in May, we're about to start entertaining and so like, as you're kind of doing some of those house projects or like, I want to add a new deck mm-hmm. or I want to be able to dine out here because like, I, I really need to just be outside. Like, what would you, for that type of thing, like for dining mm-hmm. and for decking, you know, if someone's like venturing into that, cause I think that's what I think of. Like when I want people to come over, we're going to have food, mm-hmm. we're going to eat. And what, what is that the best type of like the flooring? I know we all hear about treks. You know, is that like, what other options do we have? Mm-hmm. I feel like people ask us that a lot when we're working on a, on a project. Cool. I like that. It's a good question. I think we can all think this pretty simply and go, how, how do I currently live outside? Mm-hmm. Do I love it? Yeah. Is it cumbersome? Do I find myself going, I'm going inside. This isn't worth it. Mm-hmm. Or the goal would be if you're sitting inside dining at your table and you look outside and go, why am I in here? I'm going outside and the whole family grabs their stuff and they go out and they sit around the table or whatever you, whatever you have set up. I think that's successful. The spaces yeah. and that, then you'd have to define what makes it successful for you. Mm-hmm. But I think our outdoor spaces should be flexible. I think they should be kind of ephemeral and being able to be changing pretty easily as well to where it's not dedicated to one space. An example of this could be if I love gathering around a fire pit as a family mm-hmm. and I want to put a fire pit in and if I put in a masonry permanently placed fire pit out there that we love to use as a family. Well, that space is now dedicated. Mm -hmm. It is a fire pit space. Mm -hmm. It's hard to use that. You can't move it and put a banquet table there. Mm -hmm. It's how can we design our spaces flexibly so that we can use them as things change, even as we grow as a family or small groups or big groups, right? I feel like my brain just blew up. I know. I just have never thought of the yard as being flexible. Evolution. Yeah. I mean, like the interiors, I just, you know, redid my living room because I got bored of it. You always, yeah. Yeah. But of course, like, of course the outdoor space can be zhuzhed and flipped and fluffed and changed. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. (laughs) I know. Right. It seems so easy. I love this. So easy. Okay. Keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Interesting. So. So the other questions you kind of alluded to would be finishes and materials. You know, how do we, everything from furnishings uh, to finishes, materials, ground plane. So we have the ground plane outside that we're standing, walking on. We have the vertical, which could be plant material. It could be stone walls. It could be a barbecue. It could be anything that helps define space, right? Mm -hmm. And it could have the overhead plane and that could be tree branches. It could be canopy. It could just be the clouds in the sky. And it just because that works for my family or whatever. So as we take that and kind of break that apart and we evaluate it, we start looking at, again, uh, how do I want it to feel? Let's put a feeling behind this because that's how we want. Those are places we want to go to. And we can all kind of have a memory of thinking back and going, what are the special places that I love to retreat to and go to and why? And then if you really think about it, you can identify the pieces or the elements that made it that. 
And for us, those are the personal things that are very similar to interiors. It is the way we accessorize. It's the way that we uh, organize the spaces, whether they are lightweight drag around chairs that I can stack and throw in the corner because that's how our family lives. Or if they're really heavy wood, thick cushioned chairs that I don't want to move them and they're, they're pretty, they're pretty set. Right. Um, and that all of that plays into your space. Then we talk about the ground plane, you know, what's my patio. If you're going to build a patio, let's start talking about your options and how, how that could look and feel. Cause it's poured plain gray concrete with a brush finish on it will function just fine. You can squirt it off and it's great mm-hmm. yep. if you're okay with plain gray concrete, you know, and then we go from, from there, we kind of work our way up. We can start playing with all the, what are our materials? Do we want, do we want a, um, a paver that's an individual unit paver? And that could be a concrete paver. It could be a, a real stone paver, which is exciting. Um, we, you talked about treks or even decking, you know, I love the sound of the clumpity sound of a deck and the hollow sound that that can give in contrast to a solid stone patio. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a good reason why you like the difference for that. Um, and, and Trex is a fine product, but maybe you don't like how that looks cause it's, you know, it's synthetic. It's plastic. Right. Yeah. Or, and then you have all the wood options that you could go through and, and play with as well. So I think if you think of your room, your outdoor room as all of those pieces, the ground, the walls and the ceiling, how am I going to create that? And, um, and everything from how do I accessorize it to we've talked about pots Art is a great thing to use outside mm-hmm. because it's so personal. Yeah, you know, you can do a sculpture of your husband over in the corner if that's the oh, art fantastic. piece you want, and be like with water, with, with water, yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's that can what be I want. everything you want, yeah. right? Yeah, see uh, that that you resonate with that. Yeah. Really. <laughs> so, yeah. it's good for resale <laughs> too. People love that <laughs> on the ground, man. Yeah, yeah. there you go. They may uh, edit that one out, but uh, <laughs> we don't edit. Oh, good. Get it all. But I think the art piece or the thing that just you love outside that you want to put there is fun. I have a, I have a iron stand that has two arms on it that comes out that my wife hangs two big baskets from every year. Mm, We've had it for pretty. 10 years and it just holds up and it's something that we can move it wherever we want. Mm, and it creates a little that. kind of a, I don't know, just a, it's a little vertical element in our landscape love that we that. love and it helps to define yeah. the space. What do you plant in it? So it depends on every year it changes. It's usually her mother's day gifts because Cute. frost has passed and we've yeah. got irrigation to them. And uh-huh. it just sits where we want. And it just, it puts flower po- color at your eye level. Love that. So yeah. it helps us there. Did you run a drip to it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So just a drip. Cool. We actually put pots underneath them as well, because that's where the water from the pot oh, drips out man. and drips into the other pots. Wow. And so it's kind of that cleanliness factor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Oh. So that's that's great. kind of outdoor living that could be a lot of different things. Materials. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about teak? Uh, outdoor in Utah specifically. Mm-hmm. So I like teak a lot. I like how it looks, how it feels. Um, you just need to understand teak mm-hmm. and understand, first of all, installation is key. It has to be installed correctly. Um, and so it doesn't, what they call cup on you, it doesn't bend and mm-hmm. such. And then do you want it to look nice and honey warm? And so you're going to see, you're going to do a stain on it all the time or just mm-hmm. let it gray out, yeah. you know, and it's stunning. It, it holds up well for our climate, does really well in the mountains, at least. Do you the, have, do you have so. to treat it? Uh, like you say, you treat it yearly. You don't need to treat it long-term if you want it to just gray out. Cause it's, it's so dense. Mm-hmm. So the good thing people, the, what is good about it is how dense it is. And so it doesn't rot very easily. It doesn't decay very easily. And so, but again, installation and how it's installed Mm -hmm. is key. So it's held in place Mm -hmm. because if you let it go, it'll, it's, it's a wood product. It will, it will kind of cup on you over time. Makes sense. Yeah, it's good. Cool. Great, great product. 
Okay. I love that. Um, okay. Let's talk about fire pits. Ah. Yes, I know. I've I talked about this before, but we want to make s'mores. We want to gather. Mm-hmm. We're doing a gas line. Are we doing a wood line? Are we doing, what are we doing there? Yeah. What's your recommendation? Do you have one at your home? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mine have? is movable. Okay. <gasps> Mine is oh. just hooked up to a gas tank, to a okay. five gallon tank that I can, and it, okay. it hides inside of it. The reason why I mentioned that is that we, again, like I mentioned previously, if you create a fire pit space and it's masonry in, we and we do that, there's a lot of those we've done and people will use them. They usually also have another space that they have for gathering and couches and chairs and they, they're okay with a dedicated space mm-hmm. for that. But let's say that you just want to use that space and it's really not for a fire pit or you do, it's a fall evening. You're like, Hey, go grab that boys and let them drag it over here. You hook it up and turn it on. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, it's a movable fixture yeah. if you will for that. And yeah. so people are drawn to it, but I also, I don't think that they work very often in the back corner as a camping experience, quote mm-hmm. unquote, yeah. because people just aren't going to drag everything out to that corner to go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a, we're just a people of convenience quick. We've got to do this because I've got a, I've got something else in an hour, but let's, let's spend some time here. Mm-hmm. And so I, I believe that the fire pits have high value mm-hmm. and I think you can have more than one. Mm. I think it depends on, it doesn't have to be a big property. It could have, this is an area that I really love to gather in. And if there's a place that the teenagers want to have theirs and they can have one too, that's fine. Yeah. Or if you have a hot tub Share or a pool area, life. sometimes it's nice to have a fire pit close to your pool area. Cause it's a, mm. a, kind of in the evening when it gets cool, mm-hmm. that could work. So just depends on the size scale of your property and what works, but I, I love them. I think they work great. And again, it's such a personal thing of for application. Um, and even like a fire bowl, you can get it down at, a Home Depot type place that you just love and you can, so the, the log versus the gas yeah, depends on what you love. And is yours propane? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you, yeah. I mean, do you like, do you like that as far as like much better? Cause okay. it's, it's that click start. It's done. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's no smoke. There's no smell. There's no nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, but if you want to rub two sticks together, put some, you know, and, and build a, yeah, build a flaming campfire. Awesome. Go for it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Love it. Love that too. I really want one. I do feel like it's yeah. like, ours. It's ours nice is permanent, but like we use it. We use it Sunday. Okay, so mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like it's your, of, it works. Yeah, right there. That's where you want it. Yeah, and we just ran a gas line to it just from mm-hmm. our house, so we don't even worry about refilling it because I'm horrible at that type of stuff. Yep. Every time yep. I would like go use a barbecue with a propane tank, like guess I'm running. You know what I mean <laughs> to get five gallons because I uh-huh. I suck at that. And it's so true. Yeah. yeah, it's all about you and your lifestyle. Totally. Yeah. And ours is very permanent. It's very, yeah. very big. And okay. it's, we're rubbing sticks together. You guys are. Yeah. So you're we, wood burning, right? Yeah. But yeah. It's massive. That, it was does the, it, fun. that was the hottest fire I've ever felt in my life when we roasted <laughs> yeah. on my yeah. 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 He's yeah. first class. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But your kids love it. It's so much fun. Oh. No. And it's, it's very much a rustic barn experience. So, Absolutely. Totally. So yeah. yeah. Figure out what your environment is. And I think that's what you're so good at is customizing the experience to the client. Obviously we do that on the interior, but you just mirror it so beautifully like on the exterior so that it really is this beautiful indoor outdoor experience. And I love how you define space. I think you do such a good job at that and your kind of your journeys too. Um, I know that when Jess was doing her landscaping, you asked her, okay, so like what is their journey to the backyard, if you're mm-hmm. going to have a wedding, you know, like, do they go through the house? Do they go through the side? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Yeah. So that was the first time I thought about, about a guest coming and their journey to the party. 
was Jeremy brought up this idea and I said, he said, do you want them to knock on the door and then you take them out back? Or do you want to like have a little sign that says come around back? And I was like, well, of course a sign that says come around back. Cause I'll be back there. Yeah. I don't want to answer a door, you know? Yeah. So we did a beautiful walkway. That's just, I call it my hosta parade. It's all these hostas on one side of the house and it's so pretty. (laughs) I know. I feel like I want to just tell people to come on back just so they can enjoy the parade, you know, to get back there. That should be your summer entrance to your house. I know. Summer Jess, come on back. Yeah. It's cute. But I do think it's a really good question about how are people going to, come what's their approach to the yard you know do you want them to go through a little garden gate I remember we talked about that like how charming what do you want this experience to be because every bit of that what's the can be created and can be thought thought out especially if you have a great landscape architect like Jeremy that's trying to create this beautiful thoughtful journey yeah well I think you kind of hit on it it's no space is left undone Mm-hmm. you know, take it and say, I've got a side yard. What can I do with my side yard to make it fantastic and to make it an experience? Yeah. And I get it. We've got to have garbage cans. We have to have air conditioning units. We have to have gas meters. All those things have a spot, yeah. um, but we also can also plan around them. Mm-hmm. We can accommodate for them and not make them be the champion of the, of the problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And so hopefully the, moment, the moments we want to have going into the back is can be crafted yeah. and be intentional and it can be stepping through a hosta garden. Mm-hmm. It can be going through, if it happens to be a hot side, your ha- yours happens to be a North side shady side. Mm-hmm. You, we can make it more of a, you know, a rock garden. It could be whatever, you know, mm-hmm. the full range of how it is, but then there's the entering into space. In our homes, we get this. We go through doors. We go through thresholds. We go through, we, we cross mm-hmm. over from mm-hmm. one space to another. Yeah. Outside, we forget we can do that and we can make the feeling happen, whether it is a gate, whether it is a line of plantings that we cross over. It's entering into and you feel like I'm in a space. And it is, it's not undefined. Uh, and then you have rhythm and movement that can move me through that space. That's also exciting. Mm-hmm. And, and it should be things you love yeah, and, and things that are important to you. And, um, and it can be vertical gardening. If it's a, if it's a narrow space, remember we can grow vertical and that's cool. Yeah. And we can do that. Um, so I think those are the spaces that then, well, and it also, then it delivers you into the gathering space in the backyard mm-hmm. typically. And how do they arrive and what do they see when they show up in the back? It's kind of that compression and release. Compression and release. You know, where you kind of mm-hmm. like, remember at this one, you're like on the side of the barn, you should do some type of arbor, like some type of tunnel that people come through and then they enter this like quiet moment mm-hmm. once they get to the back. And I was just like, that's so brilliant. Like you don't think you have these massive like vistas, like that's big plots and you're like, how do I create intimacy? And you're so mm. good at it with an arbor with the vines crawling on top of it, pumpkins growing around. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, and as you think it. about, even think about your feet and what you're walking on and the experience of them. Mm-hmm. And if it's, we don't, we, we like to just move and walk, but sometimes what if you had to actually stop and look down at your feet and pick your footing Yeah. and be intentional about the stepping stones because yeah. you, you know, here's a, there's a space between them. And I have to think about that. I think there's, um, there's a, there truly is a poetry, I think to design mm-hmm. and that we can actually say, as we go through this, that this is intentional. It slows me down. I can meditate through this space because mm-hmm. it, it makes me slow down the way it's designed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it opens up and there, then off to the races. Yeah. And I had a slow moment. Yeah. And it was fun and it yeah. felt a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things can, can kind of be part of that poem that we're kind of yeah. creating as we go around our yard. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I yeah. love it. I, you would mention one, like this one spot in our yard, like behind the barn. You're like, 
I want that to be just like a quiet moment. Yeah, Maybe there's that. just like water coming out. So this is like, it's just quiet. And I've like, I've never thought mm-hmm. of like an exterior like that. You know, you have your loud or, you know, boisterous spaces. And then you have ones that are just like quiet for an intimate moment. Totally. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. A beautiful way to kind of consider your garden and your landscaping. Yeah, totally. Well, and I think, you know, you have a full acre of land, Sue, which is amazing. And I think, Jeremy, you're really good at, we did a project with you where um, the client had purchased land next to the property. And so you created this beautiful moment with the thunder shack and then a little garden cottage. You created structure within all of this acreage that she didn't really they just had more space and she thought how nice to be able to host a baby shower or a wedding or do you remember when you sort of created this narrative about what if you're out picking apples and it starts to rain and you need a place to duck in from the storm. And so you created a little thunder shack and then a little garden wall to this beautiful little garden cottage that we created guest quarters in so people could sleep (laughs) legitimately (laughs) so romantic. And he made the whole thing up. (laughs) I don't know how much of that the client gave you, but you were like, we just can't have all this expanse of land without the structure or the wandering and story and the whole Thing that goes with it, but it's very romantic. Our whole very team romantic. was just there, and we <gasps> stayed in no the way. cottage you designed. Oh my gosh! Uh, and we had our fall, we had our spring retreat there oh. as a design firm, and oh. we were there this last week. And so Dreamy. we looked out those windows. We saw it. It was still kind of pre-spring. Yeah, but it was still there, and the spaces are are alive. They're working, even though they're dormant. Yeah. You know? And so that that was really that's the Hillsden resident on our web on our website. If, yeah. if people wanted to see that, mm-hmm. it has oh. those pieces. It has that principle yeah. of entering into. It has gates. It has wayfinding. Uh huh. You know? We had this might maybe lead us into another conversation, but they we use gas lanterns as wayfinding around yes. their property. Love. And it's kind of like what is that out there? And it kind of moves me, you know. And that's kind of the lighting that we could mm-hmm. you know we could discuss a little bit too. Yeah, but let's go there. Um, all of all of that plays into, I guess, allowing yourself to live outside and create spaces for you to live in, even if it is raining. Uh-huh. A place to retreat to, and, mm-hmm. and when you're there, how does that space feel? Right. And what is the view from that space? Uh-huh. From that space on that property we're referring to, on the opposite end of that is a big tall swing, mm. and, and that was placed there to go over there and swing and look back at the property. So, mm. I think we can really have journeys and experiences through our landscapes that become uh, memorable for us on a day to day basis, but also, man, your kids or your family will always talk about this. Is like I remember, frankly, if we just boil it down landscape design, home design, everything that we're doing is about creating memories. Mm -hmm. And it's so that people can always talk about, I remember when we did this, but they talk about it in that space. Yeah. And you designed it so they could have that memory. Yeah. Otherwise they wouldn't have gathered there to do it. Totally. It would just be land. It would. Without the story and the thoughtfulness and the go to the swing and look back Mm -hmm. and remember. And yeah, it's all really, really significant. It's fun. Yeah. Let's, before we move on, let's give everyone your website. Cause you mentioned that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's Northland-Design.com. Mm-hmm. Northland-Design. Enjoy everyone. And it's the, beautiful. and the project is called Hillsden. Hillsden. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's fun. So pretty. That's here in Utah. Yeah. Can we back up a little bit and talk about lighting? Oh yeah. You I do want to hear about like the, the gas lanterns, like at that, at that property, mm-hmm. but just whether, you know, you're starting your landscaping and like implementing lighting or whether you have something that you're just trying to like make more magical and give light so you can enjoy it for longer into the evening. Right. Right. What are your suggestions? 
So awesome conversation. We have this all the time is that our landscapes go to sleep at night sometimes because when the sun goes down, people (laughs) go indoors or they leave their landscape at night. And that's so sad when you think about it. (laughs) That's so sad. sad. (laughs) You know, you're like, okay, it's done. We have to go inside now. And I get putting a spotlight on the side of your house so you can extend and play soccer into the evening and that works and it's great as well. So there's all sorts of, I guess, feeling that comes from lighting, right? And the floodlight works for the function you need it to. But truly, if you want to stay outside... Doesn't make you happy. <laughs> doesn't yeah. make you happy. Doesn't make you It may make pretty. your eight-year-old happy. But yeah, does it... Yeah. Are you pretty in that light though? Right. And, Probably uh, not. So there is the idea of staying, uh, sticking around outside, whether it's the fire pit or whatever, which is usually, a, usually an evening, the amount of light has everything to do with how the space feels. Mm-hmm. And so inside it might be a lamp that you just turn on and it has a warm bulb in it. And that's mm-hmm. all you want in your light, in your room, because it just feels right. Yeah. You know, outside, I think the same thing. Outside landscaping can get, I think, carried away sometimes with color uh, I mean, there's LEDs now. You can get bright white blue, and that's great. And it usually has a more they of a call modern it like the jellyfish or something. Something that like keeps that. Getting exactly. flyers in the mail for. Uh, I feel like it looks like an alien lives at home. Something it's there, not very. You know? It's not very warm. It, yeah, I don't love it you at know? all. And maybe a modern application that just works great. <laughs> but I think there's a warmth you're looking for, and kind of what's the um, the reason to stay and hang out. Mm-hmm. We have we have landscape uplighting. Mm-hmm. We have landscape downlighting. And so uplighting is, is very effective to accent different aspects in a, a part of your yard. Even uplighting on landscapes next to your home creates the shadow of the plant on your home, oh, pretty. which is really fun for depth. Yeah. But then there's also catching that light in your eye when you're walking along because it's coming up at you. Assaulting. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So then we can come back and talk about downlighting. We can mm-hmm. put lights in trees and it could kind of do what we call a more of a moonlighting mm-hmm. where it just moonlights the whole area and it's a soft light because it's up Pretty. so high. Yeah. It just casts a larger and it just, it's a soft, you know, just, I guess just a soft light, you know, that allows yeah. that to feel differently. Right. Mm-hmm. And those are, those are pretty easy to understand. We have lamp posts as well, but a principle that I think that we've kind of come across that was kind of fun would be the, the, the idea of ambient light. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have a pool for one, one idea, yeah. a pool open in a backyard is stunning. So you, you got that blue glow that's stunning. That's so ambient light. Yeah. The light inside your home on coming out your windows into your spaces is also ambient light. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's adequate. Sometimes mm-hmm. it needs a little more touch. It just needs a little bit yeah. more of a bump, right? And so something fun that we've actually tried is that we've taken Christmas tree twinkle lights, you know, mm-hmm. uh, warm warm colors or whatever one you want. But we've, we've coiled those up through trees and on branches and tree trunks. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, of course, you don't see it until the evening. You just turn it on and it's, mm-hmm. it just gives a little bit more ambient light. It also, ha- it's festive. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. That's magic. It it's, is. It really it's is. It's fairy lights, mm-hmm. really. It's kind it's of the fairy so light dreamy. idea, mm-hmm. but it also achieves something on a very affordable budget that I can, I probably already own the lights. In fact, yeah, you know, grab them I, on Amazon you and get them by the You really can. For today. Yeah. You can take yeah. them off your tree, take them outside for the summer, put them back on your tree in the Christmas if you want. Mm-hmm. What, I'm just Value saying mm-hmm. yeah. for low cost, I think we can put lighting in our yard that creates, it's that desire I have to have a Southern landscape with the fireflies outgoing and Mm, have that evening experience that I think just there's a magic to it and a feeling and an ambiance that it does create. Mm -hmm. And that's a really cool way to light a landscape. So obviously you don't want to do too much. It looked like Christmas in July, but Mm. I think that's a simple principle that works. You did that in your home, right? So I did that on one of my trees and I just 
it it's it's right above my couch that sits outside by a, a, the movable Pretty. fire pit yeah. and there's enough light there that we had some friends over and we all just sat out underneath that and they kind of looked at it and they're like oh that's cool that they, they loved the thought mm-hmm. but it wasn't overcomplicated. Yeah. yeah so just one tree that's all you need to we do did, we did one tree around yeah. our space yeah love it if there was three around a space maybe mm-hmm. that would work so you just Pretty. want to make sure it's going to draw a lot of attention. Yeah. So you just want to make sure it's really special. It's it's going to create that moment. I love that. That you want. So that's beautiful. Great. So, so charming. Ugh, I love it. Yeah. That's okay. great. What else, guys? Anything else? I was going to ask, like, are there like solar? I would imagine technology is getting like better and better. Are there like solar power stuff? Because I'm thinking like on the backside of my yard, there's no electric back there. And I'm like, how do I run an extension cord to get... Are there like solar powered lights that you're, you're digging right now? Yes. Yep. So I have some solar on my home where I want security lighting, mm-hmm. you know, and it is, it has a little solar panel with it and it just turns on and it's, it's great. Okay. I love it. If there is even for, let's say you wanted to have a pickleball court and you wanted to have it, there's solar lighting for sport courts nice. that you don't have to run all the power out to them. You can just install it. And it has about five hours, this particular one I'm thinking of, has about five hours of light. Mm-hmm. But in the summertime, you're good till eight or nine anyway. Yeah. And then, so five hours is plenty yep. and you'd be able to light up certain spaces and, and technology is on our side there, right? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be bright, white, glaring blue. Right. You can get all the hues of LED, you know, with those typically. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Hello. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's a great idea. Good yep. question. Sorry, Cisco. No, this is, and I don't know if you know this or if I reach out to Brock on this, but to kind of create these like journeys, you know, if you were to build an arbor, or I have like that front little vestibule area and you want like something aromatic, like mm-hmm. what, what are the easiest things to grow vine wise that can like kind of create this magic moment, be it like in an arbor or sure, just like through a gate or something that you already have on your property? Certainly. Yeah. So um, climbing roses do fantastic in most climates. I mean, from California to our Utah climate, you know, most places, there's some wonderful, you know, climbing roses Mm -hmm. um, that you can, and you can train them quite easily. They grow quickly um, and they're, they're very quite aromatic. They're soft, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Clematis is another one that's nice that can give you some nice, um, uh, aromatic. And then also honeysuckle is another mm, one. So you're just going to think about the space that it's in the plant you're using and the attraction that bees are going, it could bring as well. You know, so there's going to be that Our little I'm, friends. I'm not afraid of bees. I'm I was not like, either. I they're love just lavender, there and they're fine. Know? Little lavender. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, wisteria is a great plant, mm-hmm. you know, as well. Beautiful. It's just big, heavy, you know, gets overgrown sometimes, but just a few things to think about. I tend to go to the lighter, to the roses. They're just nice. Mm-hmm. They look good in the wintertime too because of the, the woody nature of pretty, their, of really their structure looks nice. Yeah, so, kind of organic I movement. That. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. And then you can talk to Brock about varieties because yes, he knows them really well. Okay, oh, give him a drink. Yes. That's right. lovely. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Okay. For sure. What else do our people need to know before we turn Jeremy loose? Yeah, I feel so inspired. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I probably need to like, you know, build a house and have Jeremy, you know, that's (laughs) what I was thinking through my whole mind. I did it all wrong. I need to start over. Maybe the last thing maybe that comes to my mind that we might think about would be getting the proper balance between lawn and planters. How much of my yard should be grass? How much should be planter? How should we value that? How should we look Mm -hmm. at it? Water conservation is a big key. You know, it's talked, I mean, in Utah here, that's big. We're in a dry desert state. Mm -hmm. Wherever you are, water conservation, I think should be at least on your mind of how am I, am I going to overuse my water? I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, our lawn areas sometimes are seen as just easy to maintain. I just mow it and I'm done. 
you know, but sometimes we don't really stop and think about the aeration and the fertilizer and the, all the stuff that goes into making a lot of sprinklers, the sprinklers yeah. and the water bill itself, you, everything that yeah. play, applies to that. Right. Mm. And there's the trade off that says, well, if I take the grass out and I turn it into a planter, then I've got to control the weeds and I have to manage that, which is there, there's some truth. There's some maintenance yeah. to that. There's maintenance on both sides, you know, of that as well. But you can also from a water conservation standpoint, we talked about mulch controlling weeds in certain planter beds, and we don't have to fill our planter beds clear full of plants. Sometimes negative space is fine. We don't have to feel overwhelmed with having to have it be a, a full garden. And um, and then using grass where grass is usable or functional. And I love it for a curb appeal as well. Lawn is good negative space for your eye because it's calming. We have other plantings that give a lot of their, sometimes they're the champions and I like mm-hmm. that for negative space, but then just how much functional lawn do I need? And can I reduce that anywhere? And does that make sense for me? Mm-hmm. So I think just a plug for sustainability and thinking through that and being careful as we kind of consider all of our inventory, how we started this yes. and go, where am I at? You know, and do I have I a corner that. where my grass is always dead? And I, I can never make it work great. And it's, I'm always mowing that corner anyway. And it's like, well, what if you just rounded off the planter over there and took the grass out? You, mm-hmm. Every time you mow it, you'll be like cheering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. don't have to do that corner. Yeah. I, I, I solved it. Yeah. Little, yeah. Little. Can we talk about beds for one second? I learned this from Jeremy when we were working on my yard. I was like, do we need to get like the concrete curbing or how do I separate the bed oh, yeah. from the lawn? And Jeremy <laughs> was like, oh my goodness, we'd never do that. Um, talk about how to separate beds from the lawn. What do you like? What do you like to use? Sure. Obviously you hate a concrete curbing situation and tell the people the why. Reason, the reason why I guess we yeah. pull away from that because there's a function I'm to so it. so polite. I, <laughs> I know. Yeah. We have, we maybe avoid uh, those, but. Okay. Here's the reason. Okay. No, well, honestly, one of the main reasons from an aesthetic standpoint yeah. is in landscapes, your eye goes to a line first. Yeah. And all of a sudden you see this white curvy line running through your landscape. It's the mm-hmm. accent wall of the exterior. It is. Right? It is. It's, a know, baby, it's, it's like see. a baby sidewalk running everywhere. It's what, it's what baby you sidewalk. Uh-huh. You know, versus yeah. if you don't have that and you re, you kind of control that edge with something else, now you see the form and the shape of the lawn. Uh-huh. And, and there's a lot of variables there depending on budget and what you'd like to use. We use a steel edge, mm-hmm. a really strong mm-hmm. steel sturdy edge that doesn't wobble and fall over. It creates great radiuses and great 90 degree corners. Um, there's also something to be said for just someone who wants to just have more of maybe it's maybe the word is agrarian landscape where the grass is okay to blend into my planter too. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not a totally manicured chiseled edge looking, you know, approach that they want. I'm into it. It's okay. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's keeping on top of that every year landscape. or something mm-hmm. like that or two. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. And how much do I need to keep it edged in, in the shoveled edge? My dad loved a shoveled edge and he did the work every year and just shoveled the edge and he loved that deep shoveled edge. Oh, you know, yeah. that's what he did. But grass wants to spread this. Our grass here, the Kentucky blue is a, it's resominous. It suckers, it spreads, Yeah, you know, fescue grasses in different areas. Sometimes it, it gets contained better, but uh-huh. I think it's just that matter of, do you want to see the edge? Or do you want to see the shape that the lawn or the planter creates? Mm-hmm. And that's that visual trying to trying to eliminate visual distractions in your landscape since you want it to be restful and peaceful. Yeah, and I, think that. I think that kind of would be maybe one of our if it's a closing thought, but it kind of leading us there would be 
the goal, I think, of every landscape would be able to step back, look at it, and your eye can just rest looking across the whole landscape. It just mm-hmm. it can take it all in and just rest looking at it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it might have some of those points of of interest that you love, and it's, it's there's a reason why we do focal points and accents for a reason, mm-hmm. uh, and that's cool. But if it stops on something that's just functional, yeah, you might want to reconsider. I like that. Why you did it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or how you might screen it, or great thought, you know, whatever Soften that might it, be. Blend it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. Can I ask you your opinion? Um, we have a gentleman in our neighborhood that has superior grass to everybody else. And he mows multiple he times a week. The recipe, Willie. It's his therapy. Yeah. And I look at it and I'm like, this is superior to a golf course even. I've never seen grass like that. Do you feel like it's important to mow multiple times a week or twice a week? Well, how often do you mow your lawn? I'm curious. So how short gets, do you mow it? That gets into a great conversation in principle, mm-hmm. right? So... We start below the ground. We uh-huh. look at soil prep. How much soil do I have? How deep are my roots? Yeah. You know, did I just do an inch of dirt and throw my sod on top of it? Uh-huh. So my roots are going to be really shallow. I'm going to be watering a lot. Um, or do I have good soil depth and my roots going to get d- deeper? So taller grass, allowing your grass to stay taller conserves water. Oh, it doesn't dry so that's it out probably really important you can water right now. Less. Yeah. If you mow it more often, you know, and shorter, you're, you know, it's going to need, it's going to respond to that mowing. It's going to, it's not going to maybe stay as healthy, keeping up lo- mowing it shorter. So a little longer, I try to keep mine a little bit taller than normal and I mow it once a week. Uh-huh. Uh, anybody out there who just loves to mow their lawn twice a week. Great. I did mow. I did grow up with my mom making us mow the lawn in two different directions. Same. Right. Yes. Diagonals. Yes. 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 And we switched. And it looks good. It looks great. Really it was like it. plaid. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's yeah. Really yeah. Lines. That's so fun. Do you, so is yeah. it like, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not bragging here, but I was at a 4th of July party last year and one of my neighbors was like, you're the guy with amazing like grass lawn. Ooh, I was yeah, like, Hey, nice yeah, job. that's me. But um, I was glad he said that. It made me feel, you yeah. know, I was a proud dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but is it like, so what's like the good fit, like length of, of lawn? So, cause I'm like mowing mine. I treat mine every year, sure. you know, every five weeks. So is it like two to three inches? Is that where, like where you want it to be? So I would say in that two inch range, if you're down shorter than that, I think it's none necessarily short. Um, two, I think three inches where people start to recognize, hey, three to four inches, I need to cut my lawn. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So I also think there's also a great look to a grass stain, you know, a little bit longer and maybe I don't mow it for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And get it. it just depends on you, what you love. Right. And so it totally is. If you drive every day, you drive in your driveway and it drives you crazy. Cause you can't see the lawnmower wheel lines anymore. Cause your kids have been out playing on it and you're like, I'm going to go mow the lawn just cause I love that look. Mm-hmm. I get it. But, um, I think there's just that there's a principle of, I guess, water conservation, mm-hmm. aesthetic look, that balance of what you love and just making that work for you. So you, mm-hmm. even if you are mowing it once, like you're just like, don't, don't cut it down. You know what I mean? To an inch every single time. Too short. Yeah. yeah. We just don't want to get it down too short. You okay. know, the sun gets to the ground uh, or the, the sun can bake the ground a lot quicker. You're going to end up watering. You're going to see more brown spots, you know, and if we scalp our lawn, then we're going to find spots where weeds can start growing. Ooh. So Ooh, again, I'll, I'll wave the flag that says I'm not the grass horticulture expert on this as well, but I think just principle based wise, leaving your grass a little taller is going to make you a healthier grass. Okay. Mm, excellent. Okay. Okay. Oh, you have a question. Guys, we could talk forever. I know. You just, you just tell me when to shush. Um, 
I think such a beautiful look that we see, like we saw it like in Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin's home, that gravel, like yes. I have some, but not all gravel is created equally. And you talked mm-hmm. about like, think about your feet experiencing this. Right. And that's, I think that that'd be a fairly easy application mm-hmm. if you wanted to create a mood um, and just like a livable space outside. What would you recommend if someone wanted that look yeah. to get that? So the thing I like about that is I like the texture change it creates, mm-hmm. you know, totally. the sound of it under your feet. Yeah. It's nice. It's just that change. Too. You know, like it, they're tires. You yeah. have a gravel driveway. I love it. I think mm-hmm. it's great. And, um, so there is dependent on the application and where it's at a lot of our pathways, the Hillsdon residents we talked about, mm-hmm. if you looked at that, you'll be able to see the pathways in there are a crushed limestone, mm-hmm. you know, and it packs really tight. Mm-hmm. There's crushed stone that's packed tight. And then there's pea gravel that's round and rolled. Love pea gravel, yeah. So, you know, it ra- it's round, it rolls, it's a little bit more movable. So it kind of does what we call travels a little bit more. It scatters a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't like having to pull their feet out of it because it's a little bit softer, right? Mm-hmm. So it depends on the application. So some of these areas, you can compact that crushed stone tight enough that it could be used as a great patio mm-hmm. for a driveway, you know, just depends on, you know, your tolerance for a driveway being that way. And then there is the, you know, everything from a pathway. So I'd say like a fire pit space is a lot of fun to have a crushed pathway or a crushed stone in, but you have to realize it's going to take some re kind of uh, refreshing. You may have to recompact a little bit. It's not just going to take care of itself and, um, and, or you can do pavers of course, and be hardscaped and finished and done. But I like the change of materials a lot Mm -hmm. from one space to the next. And that goes from decking to crushed stone, mm-hmm. to a paver, to a grass, you can hear all of those and, and understand how they would feel differently yeah. if you used them. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love that. And That's gardens great. are a great place to do the crushed stone as well because nice. it drains really well. It's a good draining really material. Yeah. So it doesn't run off usually. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Moss between pavers or like when people want to grow grass to have that like English garden. I think that was the last thing I had noted and then I'll Yes. Stop I have that, that on my Pinterest folder too. Yeah. And I think yeah. we all love the look and it just feels we like do. so grown in and very fern gully, right? But how how do we do it successfully? Sure. So again, it's it's the base, it's the soil prep underneath it. That yeah. plant wants to grow. And we've got a concrete stepping stone or a stone stepping stone that that has to be set on something compacted Mm -hmm. typically, you know, to keep it from not moving around too much. And so if we can get enough dirt in there to get the ground cover to thrive and do well, Mm -hmm. uh, the mosses do really well. They stay really tight so they don't get out of control and cover up the stepping stone. And, um, and then it's, how do you want to irrigate them as well? Mm -hmm. And so, cause then, then you're spraying the whole area, which is fine. No problem. Uh, drip irrigation works, but usually for these smaller spaces in between stepping stones, it's just in a little micro spray or a spray situation um, that irrigates them. And we use mosses in between stepping stones all the time and it's super successful. Yeah. You know, so, so are you packing soil, setting the, you know, whether the paver or whatever it is, and then do. digging soil Typically out? then you come back and take that soil out between them. So you can, you're going to buy those ground covers in a plug, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And you have to put that plug in that root zone down in the ground. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and they're, they're pretty resilient. They're pretty tough, um, but they also want to grow. They, you know, they want to have room because it's got to go, their roots are going to want to grow down and spread out. And the more soil you can give them, the more successful the plant will be. And so, and then your maintenance all of a sudden starts to get less because your plants are happy. Mm-hmm. And so you would never build a home and not do an engineered foundation plan for your home. Yeah. So yeah. start at the bottom, do the right soil, do the right preparation, you know, and, um, yeah, I think your yard will be happier. That's great. Cool. I remember that conversation with Jeremy because I have some stepping stones to get from the driveway to my front door. And my takeaway was you can't do it. 
it's too involved. It's too much work. So I don't have it, but I, in my mind was like, that's too hard, (laughs) but I think you guys should try it. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that look too. It's fun to step on with bare feet. Right. Yeah. Yeah, That moss and stone. It's like when you go to holiday Mm. and you're just like, there's, it's an ecosystem over here. I know. All these are really coveted address here in like Salt Lake area and everything grows there. (laughs) Wild. Yeah. So if you live in holiday, for sure you should have that because it's going to grow without you doing anything. So good. Okay, Jeremy, we ask every guest that comes on the podcast this question. We want to know, how do you define luxury? Ooh, fantastic question. That's a good one. Um, Well, I guess is where you just kind of go off the top of your head, right? Yeah. Um, Because I think luxury is the... uh, this, this is a really good question and I'm trying to get the right words cause I know how I feel about it, but, mm-hmm. um, luxury is not first of all, based on the dollar amount that we normally think about when we think of luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think luxury is the, um, the willingness that we have or the uh, ability we have to want to stay in a space that's been designed with beautiful, uh, pieces that mean something to me mm-hmm. that are personal to me that I just want to stay in that space and I'm going to feel like I've spent a million dollars on it and I didn't have to, or maybe I did. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter as long as I can be in a space that has what I love in it, pieces mm-hmm. that I love, not what somebody else loves mm-hmm. that are there. And I want to stay in that space. I think that becomes luxurious to me, you know, cause if I think I have to go to a resort, I have to go to a spa to have luxury. Well, I like to go there cause it's, you know, it's a massage or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So I think being able to have that feeling of just surrounding myself with stuff I love that's kind of special for me, yeah. um, makes me want to stick in that spot yeah. and mm-hmm. kind of stay there. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what was brewing that took a few minutes to get out. I like that. That is really beautiful. And it's a luxury to be able to sit still too and to enjoy that. Don't you think? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Great answer, Jeremy. Thank you. you. The people you love around there, it's even better. That's luxury. Amen. Thank you both. This is awesome. No, Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, You guys, if you have any questions for us at Dear Alice or want us to do a podcast on anything, send it to dearalice at alicelanehome.com and we'll catch you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like our show, please leave a five-star rating. 